good evening i was invited to give the convocation address at my alma mater the indian institute of technology delhi as i pondered over what i would say i realized that the graduating students were young enough to be my children what message would i give my children at this time a message that would challenge as well as inspire them as convocation speeches are meant to do it could not be another speech on economics that might educate but not inspire the moment made the choice of uh, topic clear there was a ragging debate in india in late 2015 on the issue of tolerance and this is what i decided to speak on i explained to the young graduating scholars that india's uh, india's strength is her uh, enduring tradition of tolerance and debate and that uh, it will be our source of comparative economic advantage as we approach the frontiers of you know, innovation this is the speech i delivered on 31st october 2015 tolerance and respect essentials for economic progress thank you very much for inviting me back to the institute to deliver the convocation address i graduated with a degree in electrical engineering 30 years ago i was overly anxious then about what the future held for me because i did not realize that the institute had pre- prepared me so well for what lay ahead our professors and i will not single out any to avoid a disservice to those i do not name for dedicated professionals they asked a lot of us knowing that in challenging us they allowed us to learn what we were capable of equally important our electrical engineering class in those days computer science was a part of electrical engineering in iit delhi and had some of the smartest people it has been my privilege to know after working with them as colleagues and competing with them for grades i learned what it took to succeed in the fierce fiercest environments very hard work friendship and both loads of luck those lessons have stayed with me since IIT Delhi then as uh, i'm sure it is now was not only about uh, studies it was about growing up we were with a few notable exceptions the proverbial school nerds who had been excluded from all school sports by the macho sports cases with almost everyone in the same boat at IIT for the first time in our lives we got a chance to bat and ball at the nets instead of being posted at deep long on uh, to retrieve the odd six by the stars everyone did something ranging from uh, photography to publishing of course we all aspired to join the mathematics where you got to spend long hours with members of the opposite sex unfortunately i was not good at acting Uh, so i had to look for self actualization elsewhere but there were enough places to look student politics was vibrant with a plenty of scheming uh, uh, strategizing and uh, backstabbing it was an intellectual pastime however without the violence and corruption that plagues student politics elsewhere in our country you had to convince the small intelligent electorate to vote for you and in figuring out how to get that vote we all learned the art of persuasion so we grew up in the classrooms in the squash courts at the rca in the civilizing spic uh, maki or night uh, classical music concerts and in the overcrowded rock concerts at the oat 
some of us spent long hours waiting hopefully outside Kailash Hostel and when occasionally our wait was rewarded beautiful autumn nights with our friends chatting and gazing at the stars while sitting on the roof of Convocation Hall. The institute replaced our uh, naivety with a more confident maturity. We came in as a smart boys and girls and left as wiser young men and women. I am confident that the institute has done to you with it did to us uh, sorry what what uh, I'm, I'm confident that the Institute has done to you what it did to us you you will thank it in the years to come for that in speaking here today I'm aware that uh, uh, most convocation addresses are soon forgotten that uh, creates a form of moral hazard for the speaker if you are not going to remember what I say I don't have the incentive to work hard at uh, crafting my words the net effect is is a what economists refer to as a bad equilibrium my speech is forgettable and you therefore forget it soon if so we are probably better off with me skipping the rest of the speech and all of us going on to other pressing duties nevertheless i'm going to look beyond my personal incentives and fulfill my dharma as a chief guest i will speak on why india's tradition of debate and uh, an open spirit of inquiry is critical for its economic progress let me explain robert slow uh, sorry robert solo won the uh, nobel prize in economics for work that showed that the bulk of economic growth did not come from putting more factors of production such as labor and capital to work instead it came from putting those factors of production together more cleverly that is from what he called total factor productivity growth put differently new ideas new methods of production better logics logistics these are what lead to sustained economic growth of course a poor country like ours can grow can grow for some time by putting more people to work by moving them from low productivity agriculture to higher value added industry or services and by giving them better tools to do their jobs as many of you who have taken economics will recognize uh, we in india are usually far from the production possibility frontier so we can grow for long while just by catching up with the methods of industrial countries but more intelligent ways of working will um, enable us to leapfrog old methods and come more quickly to the production possibility frontier as for example we have done in parts of the software industry and of course once you are at the frontier and using the best methods in the world the only way to grow is to innovate and be even better than others in the world this is what our software firms are now trying to do our alums whom you students will shortly join are leading india charge to the frontier and beyond take the fantastic developments in e-commerce ranging from the creation of electronic marketplaces to new logistics or networks and payment systems today a consumer in a small town can have the same choice of uh, clothing fashions that anyone from the large metros enjoys simply because the internet has brought all the shops in india to her doorstep and while her local shop no longer can sell shoddy 
apparel. It now focuses on the perishable items she uh, she needs in a hurry, even while uh, subcontracting to provide the last leg of uh, the logistic network that reaches her. Economic growth through new ideas and production methods is what our professors and alums contribute to the nation. So, what does an educational institution or a nation need to do to keep the idea factory open? The first essential is to foster competition in the marketplace for ideas. This means encouraging challenge to all authority and tradition even while acknowledging uh, that the only way of dismissing any view is through empirical test. What this rules out is uh, uh, anyone imposing a particular view or ideology because of their power. Instead, all ideas should be scrutinized critically no matter whether they uh, originate domestically or abroad, whether they have matured over thousands of years or a few minutes, whether they come from an untutored student or a world, or a world famous professor. I'm sure many of you have come across Richard Feynman's Lectures on Physics, a must read uh, when we were at IIT. The Nobel Prize winning physicist was one of the giants of the 20th century. In his autobiography, though, he writes how he found the atmosphere at the Institute of Advanced Studies in Princeton uh, stultifying. Now, as we know, the Institute of Advanced Studies brings together some of the finest scholars in the world to ponder problems in a multidisciplinary uh, environment but he found the atmosphere sterile because there were no students to ask him questions questions that would force him to rethink his beliefs and perhaps discover new theories ideas start with questioning and alternative viewpoints sometimes seemingly silly ones after all einstein built uh, this uh, uh, built his uh, theory of relativity pondering the somewhat uh, wacky question of what someone traveling in a train at the speed uh, at the speed of light would experience so nothing should be excluded but everything should be subject to debate and constant testing no one should be allowed to offer unquestioned pronouncements without this competition for ideas we have stagnation this then leads to a second essential protection not of specific ideas and traditions but the right to question and challenge the right to behave differently so long as it does not hurt others seriously in this protection lies societal self-interest for it is by encouraging the challenge of innovative rebels that society develops that it gets the ideas that propels uh, solos total factor productivity growth Fortunately, India has always protected uh, debate and the right to have different views. Some have even embedded these views in permanent structures. Raja Raja Chola embedded, uh, sorry, Raja Raja Chola in building the magnificent Brahadeshwar uh, Shaivit uh, temple at Tanjavur also incorporated sc sculptures of Vishnu as well as the meditating Buddha. This uh, th thus admitting to alternative viewpoints when 
Shain Shah Jalaluddin Muhammad Akbar invited scholars of all manner of persuasion to debate the uh, the eternal uh, verities at 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 his court. He was only following older traditions of our Hindu and Buddhist kings who encouraged and protected the spirit of enquiry. What kind of group sentiment should ideas or behavior that hurt a particular intellectual position or group not be banned? Possibly, but a quick resort to bans will chill all debate as everyone will be anguished by ideas they dislike. It is far better to improve the environment for ideas through tolerance and mutual respect. Let me explain. Actions that physically harm anyone or show verbal contempt for a particular group so that they damage the group's participation in the marketplace for ideas should certainly not be allowed. For example, sexu sexual harassment, whether physical or verbal, has no place in society. At the same time, groups should should not be looking for slights any and anywhere, any and everywhere, so that too much is seen as offensive. The theory of confirmation bias in psychology suggests that once one starts looking for insults, one can find uh, them them everywhere, even in the most uh, innocuous statements. Indeed, if what you do offends me but does not harm me otherwise, there should be a very high bar for prohibiting your act. After all, any ban and certainly any vigilante acts uh, to enforce it may offend you as much or more than the offense to me. Excessive political correctness stifles progress as much as excessive license and disrespect. Put differently, while you should avoid pressing the buttons that upset me to the extent possible, when you do push them, uh, you should explain carefully why that is necessary so as to move the debate forward and how it should not be interpreted as a personal attack on me. You have to trade respectfully, assuring me that a challenge to the ideas I hold is necessary for progress. At the same time, I should endeavor to hold a few ideas so closely intertwined with my personality that any attack on them is deemed an intolerable personal affront. Tolerance means not being so insecure about one's ideas that one cannot subject them to challenge. It implies a degree of detachment that is absolutely necessary for mature debate. Finally, respect requires that in the rare case when an idea is tightly associated with a group's core personality, we are extra careful about challenging it. Tolerance can take the offense out of debate and indeed instill respect. If I go, if I go berserk every time a particular button is pressed, rebels are tempted to press the button while mischief makers indeed do so. But if I do not react to predictability and instead ask button pressers to explain their concerns, rebels are forced to do the hard work for marshalling arguments. So rebels do not press the button frivolously uh, while the thuggish mischief makers who uh, abound in every group are are left without an easy trigger tolerance and respect then lead to a good equilibrium where they uh, where they reinforce each other for example rebellious youth in the united states used to burn the american flag it was uh, calculated to upset the older generation that had fought in america's war 
uh, America's wars for the flag was a symbol of all they had fought for and the police many of whom were veterans used to react with violence which was precisely the reaction the rebels sought to further their cause. Over time though US society has become more tolerant of uh, flag burning because it no longer triggers a reaction it is no longer used as an instrument to shock in some if group sentiment becomes more tolerant and less easily hurt, the actions that try to hurt it will diminish. As Mahatma Gandhi said, the golden rule of conduct is a mutual tolerance, seeing that we will never all think alike and we shall always see truth in fragments and from different points of vision. Let me conclude. IITians like you will lead India's race for ideas. The India that you will graduate into uh, is much more capable of using your technological prowess than the India we graduated into. I wish you unlimited uh, ambition and forecast great success for those who, uh, for those of you who continue thinking and challenging. But uh, as you go out in the world. Remember our tradition of debate in an environment of respect and tolerance by upholding it by fighting for it you will be repaying your teachers in this great institution and your parents who worked so hard to send you here and uh, you will be doing our country a great patriotic service. Thank you and good luck. Post script. I knew this speech would be misinterpreted by the usual critics but uh, but I had decided to look beyond them. Once again, many who did not read criticized nevertheless. They felt I was complaining about India's intolerance when in fact the speech is about maintaining our tradition for tolerance. Some of the commentary uh, bordered <coughs> on the hilarious, essentially saying we are a tolerant nation. He accuses us of uh, intolerance, so fire him or words to that effect. What mattered most to me, however, was a one-liner from one of my staunchest young critics, my teenage son. From far away, he read my speech closely and satisfied it made his exacting uh, standards. He wrote, I'm proud of you. So, thank you. Thank you, dear. Uh, uh, and... Uh, uh, now we are going to see section 7 of chapter uh, from chapter 7 itself okay social media does take a life of its own in its world of alternative truths the the reality can get grossly distorted occasionally in a game resembling chinese whispers each commentator opined on what they thought I had said based on a previous com commentator's garbled version without many bothering to find out what I actually said. Speaking of being misunderstood, perhaps the greatest flack I got uh, was for some comments I made at the end of a uh, um, tiring day at the IMF uh, meetings. I was uh, being interviewed for market watch by Greg Robb whom I knew well in the middle of a long interview the question I was posed was uh, market watch the Indian economy is the bright spot 
bright spot in the global economy when other central bankers and finance minister ask you for your secret sauce what do you tell them my natural caution as a central banker as well as my concern that our recovery was a work in progress suggested i should not boast so here is what i said uh, well i think we have uh, still to get to a place where we feel satisfied we have this saying in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king we are a little bit that way we feel things are turning to the point where we could achieve what we believe is our medium run growth potential because things are falling into place investment is starting to pick up strongly we have a fair degree of macro stability of course not immune to every shock but immune to a fair number of shocks the current account deficit is around 1%. The fiscal deficit has come down and continues to come down. And, uh, and the government is a firm on a consolidation path. Inflation has come down from 11% to less than 5% now. And interest rates therefore can also come down. We have an inflation targeting framework in place. So a bunch of good things have happened there are still some things to do of course structural reforms are ongoing the government is engaged in bringing out a new bankruptcy code there is a goods and services tax on the annual but there is a lot of exciting stuff which is already happening for example just last week i was fortunate to inaugurate a platform which allows mobile to mobile transfers from any bank account to any other bank account in the country it is a public platform so anybody can participate it is not owned by any one company unlike apple pay or android pay or whatever i think it is the first of its kind so technological developments are happening and making for a more hopefully reasonable life for a lot of people let's see how it goes on any fair read of my entire answer one would conclude that i was optimistic about india not downplaying what was going on even while recognizing we had work to do but the social media went to down after plucking just the following words out of the answer we have this saying in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king we are a little bit that way a couple of ministers paid this quote commented adversely on what i said i was finally fed up of the perhaps motivated search for controversy so i picked uh, the national institute of bank management convocation on um, 20th april 2016 to say the following cautioning on euphoria and ending by emphasizing once again the need for mutual respect and tolerance words matter but so does intent as i reflected on what i should speak on i thought i would speak on a recent experience that offers what the americans call a, a teachable moment to get to the experience start first with where india is india is the fastest growing large country in the world though with the manufacturing capacity utilization low at seven percent and agricultural growth slow falling two bad monsoons our potential is undoubtedly higher growth however is just one major performance the level of per capita gdp is also important we are still one of the poorest large large countries in the world on a per capita basis and have a long way to go before we 
reasonably address the concerns of each one of our citizens. We are often compared with China, but the Chinese economy, which was smaller than ours in the 1960s, is now five times our size at market exchange rates. The average Chinese citizen is over four times richer than the average Indian. The sobering thought is we have a long way to go before we can claim we have arrived. As a central banker who has to be a pragmatic, I cannot get euphoric if India is the fastest growing large economy. Our current growth is certainly, certainly reflects the hard work of the government and the people of the country. But we have to repeat this performance for the next 20 years before we can give every Indian a decent livelihood. This is not to disparage what what has been and is being done the central and state governments have been creating a platform for strong and sustainable growth and i'm confident the payoffs are on their way but until we have stayed on this path for some time i remain cautious we must remember that our international reputation is of a country with great promise which has under delivered in the past this is why we are still the poorest country on a per capita basis among the BRICS. We need to change perceptions by delivering steadily on our promise for a long time by implementing, implementing and implementing. We cannot get carried away by our current superiority in growth for as soon as we believe in our own superiority and start dis distributing future wealth as if we already have it. We stop doing all that is required to continue growing. This movie uh, has played too many times in India's past for us to not know how it ends. So in speaking to a foreign journalist the other day who asked what it felt like to be the bright spot in the world economy, I used the phrase Andhome Kanaraja or in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. The proverb, has, the proverb has a long multinational history. The Dutch philosopher Erasmus used it in the Latin when he wrote in a region Cacorum uh, Rex Est Luscus, but, but he probably was inspired by earlier work. My intent was to signal that our outperformance was uh, accentuated because world growth was weak, but we in India were still hungry for more growth. I then explained that we were not yet at our potential, though we were at a cusp of a substantial pickup in growth given all the reforms that were underway. In our news hungry country, however, our domestic papers headlined the phrase I used. To be fair, they also offered the surrounding context, but a few read uh, beyond the headlines. So the interview became moderately controversial with the implication that I was uh, denigrating our uh, success rather than emphasizing the need to do more. More generally, every word or phrase a public figure speaks is intensely wrong for meaning when words are hung to 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 dry out of context as in a newspaper headline it then becomes fair game for anyone who wants to feel in meaning to create mischief worst of course are words or uh, proverbs that have common usage elsewhere because uh, those can be most easily and deliberately misinterpreted if we are to have a reasonable public dialogue everyone should read words in their context not stripped of it that may be a forlorn hope 
I do, however, uh, want to apolog apologize to a section of the population that I did hurt the blind. After all, the proverb uh, suggests that a one-eyed man is better than a blind one. A moment's thought suggests this is not true for the blind one. Uh, uh, sorry, for the blind can develop capabilities that one, one that 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 more than make up for their disability. Indeed, the sheer willpower and hunger to succeed of the disabled can make help them become poor achievers in a seen man's world. Moreover, because their other faculties such as touch, smell, and hearing are more finely honed. The blind may add new perspectives and new variety to our world, making it richer and more vibrant. So, I am indeed sorry for implying the blind were otherwise than capable. But uh, this leads to an important question. How much of our language is tinged with a meaning that is liable to misinterpretation? How forgiving should we be of a bad choice of words when the intent is clearly different? Let me give you two examples. Gandhiji used to say an eye for an eye will only make the whole world go blind. Clearly what is implied is that the whole world going blind is not a desirable state of affairs. One might take umbrage since it suggests blindness is an inferior state to that of being able to see and the same could be seen as discriminatory. Yet Gandhiji's focus was on the absurdity of a policy of revenge not on blindness and his intent was not to disparage the blind. My second example comes from a faculty meeting I once attended where a male professor used the phrase as a rule of thumb to make his point. A female history professor became visibly agitated and angry. She explained that the rule of thumb referred historically to the maximum width of the stick with uh, which a man could beat his wife without breaking the law. She was angry the male professor used the phrase so lightly, seemingly uh, condoning, uh, condoning uh, domestic violence. He, of course, had no clue of the historical origins of the phrase and apologized profusely. Clearly, his ignorance suggested he had no intent to offend, yet the female professor was offended. There are two important issues here. First, if we spend all our time watching our words and using inoffensive language or uh, hedging everything with uh, caveats, we will be dull and will not be able to communicate because no one will listen. For instance, an eye for an eye will only make the world go blind, uh, could be replaced by a revenge reduces collective welfare. Uh, the latter is short, inoffensive and pity but meaningless for most listeners. Alternatively, we could say the taking of any any uh, any body part for another will temporarily reduce the collective capabilities of the population thus affected until they develop the faculties that will allow them to compensate for the missing body parts. This restatement is more correct than the original but uh, lacks gene and therefore the ability to pursue it. At the same time not paying attention to words or phrases that give offense risk 
perpetuating de, uh, debilitating stereotypes that prevent advancement. When referring to banks, scientists, engineers or uh, sorry, when referring to bankers, scientists, engineers or surgeons in the abstract, we often refer to them as he, thus perpetuating the unfortunate stereotype that uh, these are not jobs for women. Clearly, in doing so, we ignore the increasing presence and even dominance of women in these fields. What should we do to remedy matters? I think we all have work to do to improve public dialogue. Speakers have to be more careful with words and not to uh, gratuitously offensive. At the same time, listeners should not look for insults everywhere and uh, should place words in contact so as to understand intent in other words for effective communication and debate rather than the angry exchanges that we see on some tv shows we need both respect and tolerance the greatest danger of all is that we do not communicate or debate for then we will allow distorted stereotypes to flourish unchallenged and divisiveness to increase in a country like ours conceived and flourishing in diversity that will truly be a disaster interestingly some of the reports of uh, this speech were also confused was i uh, was i uh, contrite and apologizing for my words was i apologizing to the blind or was i was i defiant i thought there was no need to clar clarify further those who did not wish to understand could not be forced to do so thank you